Hardy's signature Frisco burger and Frisco breakfast sandwich are the kind of goodness people drive across town for. Classic favorites on a toasted sourdough bun. Only at Hardy's. Goodness in the making. Participation may vary. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast, streamed through the Better Sports Network. I'm Dan Malin, joined as always by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, we are previewing Sonoma this week, but I did want to get your thoughts on last week's race at Gateway. Kyle Busch gets his third win of the season, does it in dominating fashion, leading over 100 laps. Um, curious what you thought about the race itself. The racing wasn't awful. There, there was some passing, but overall tire strategy didn't really come into play. Tires didn't matter at all. I can't believe Eric Almarola thought he might be gaining a little strategy late in that race by being the only person to pit, but it tires didn't really matter. And overall, that's kind of been a big complaint, uh, by the drivers, uh, with this tire combo this year on uh, short flat tracks. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. I, I thought the racing was pretty good overall. I thought Fox's coverage was lackluster to not show mid-pack uh, passing and racing. Uh, I'll just comp it with the Spain GP that happened at the same time for F1. And sure, first happened won by 24 seconds, right? Doesn't sound great. You know what Sky Sports did? They showed all of the battles happening further back. You basically never saw Verstappen. Even though he won the race, you basically never saw him because they were showing all of the uh, fights and strategy for second and third and further back. And I think Fox, and we'll see what NBC does. Usually they do a better job when the handoff happens. Um, I think that would have helped the fans' opinion of the race a little bit. Um, you know, just following the three dudes who are out front that aren't passing each other but aren't getting caught doesn't really help sell the race. Like, show it when there's a battle. Show the other guys who are racing for position, because everybody wants to see their favorite drivers. Um, I thought Austin Dillon was an idiot, saying that Austin Sindrick right-reared him, even though, yeah, I don't know. It must just be new dead sleep deprivation. I have no idea. Um, as for the tires, though, we will be seeing a change in July. According to reports, Goodyear is bringing new tires starting in July that are supposed to be softer and should be falling off more, which will be good. Well, we are uh, previewing Sonoma this weekend. This is the second road course on the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series schedule. They previously ran Coda, Circuit of the Americas, back in March. Um, overall, you know, you okay? You feeling, you feeling okay about playing cash games? Obviously, this is a good week to load up on tournaments, usually road courses. While the scores on the DFS sites are, uh, you know, lower, um, makes for lineup construction uh, a lot of fun. Um, you know, do you do you consider the dominator points? Do you, you know, maybe throw them away and hope to get, you know, those guys that finish well while getting you PD? You know, what's your read on the slate in the contest for this week? So typically speaking, you're right that scoring on road courses is uh, lower than, say, ovals, especially the Coke 600, which is just a really long race. Um, 
this race does have more laps than your standard road course does. It's 110 laps this weekend, 218 miles. The 350 in the race name comes from kilometers, in case anybody was wondering. Um, but in terms of lineup construction, I'm fine with both. Obviously, I'm the bigger cash proponent between the two of us. Uh, I do like the way that the field was set for cash. I think there's a couple of clear cash plays uh, that we'll get to shortly uh, in a, you know, a segment or two. Um, but in general, I do think this is an interesting road course in terms of dominator points. If we look back at the last five, which by the way, goes back a year longer than you would think because they didn't race here at all in 2020. Uh, so we've got 2022, 2021, 2019, 2018 and 2017 to look at uh only three times have we seen a driver lead 50 plus laps here right and now i know previously it's only been 90 laps and now it's 110 because they changed it because it's a different layout so to keep the number the same they gotta add more laps right um but most of the time we're seeing about two to two and a half drivers a race lead 20 plus laps but only 0.6 over the last five have led 50 plus laps. So in terms of, um, you know, leaders, we'll see. Now, I will say one big thing that's going to change that is there are no stage cautions. That was going to be my next co uh, question because we did see the no stage cautions, of this new rule change uh, take place at Coda. And the two guys that were on the front row for that race, I believe it was – Tyler Riddick and William Byron that were on the front row for that race, they led 69 of the 75 laps at Coda. And I'm wondering if we maybe see something similar for this race with Denny Hamlin and Tyler Riddick on the front row for this race. Yeah. I think if we look back at the last few races, you know, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson both had the fastest cars in basically the last three races here. What happened? They led the first stage, especially for Kyle Larson. Uh, he led the first stage, then pitted and then, you know, two races ago, he pitted and still wound up winning because he was able to gauge strategy and everybody else pitted behind him. And that got him to the lead last year. He did the same thing, except people didn't pit. And then Larson had trouble passing and got stuck mid pack. And I think he finished 14th, but he had the fastest car. Chase Elliott also had the fastest car and then had a loose wheel late in the race that forced him to pit again. And that cost him. Uh, the win, which obviously went to Daniel Suarez. So I do think that, you know, getting stage points but not throwing the caution, therefore the race just continues, um, will in fact benefit the guys up front in terms of laps led domination. So do I expect one guy to lead 50 or more laps this week? I think there is a guy that'll, that'll do that, yes. Um, I do think tire wear is going to be a bigger concern this weekend than, than, you know, certainly gateway though. Now, why is that? Is it just because of uh, maybe the heat or just the certain track conditions for Sonoma in particular? I mean, we haven't even done like a full Sonoma like breakdown between the elevation changes and the number of turns yet, but I figured we could transition right into that. Yeah. So we'll touch on the tires and go into the, to the track thing. It's a slightly different compound this year than it was last year. Michael McDowell seemed to think uh, that it wasn't, it didn't feel all that different in the car. But if you were listening to Larry Mack on the, on the practice broadcast, which by the way, props to Fox, they actually gave usable information during the practice broadcast. Um, 
he was tracking, there was fall off. The longer the cars were on uh, track, there was fall off between their first lap and, you know, five, six, seven, ten laps down the road. Um, so we'll see. He was talking to crew chiefs before the race, and they thought maybe they would do it in three stops, maybe four. Uh, that's more than we normally get for stage racing. So if we're going to get more pit stops but no stage cautions, that's interesting to me. I do think that it still plays into the hands of the front runners um, because they'll still control. But, you know, if the front runners are coming into pit, people behind them are going to do it because it's you need the tires here more than you, more than you don't. Um, but I do think that, you know, this, this track's fairly old. It's pretty worn down. Um, Bob Pockers did tweet they put some patches across some of the asphalt um, this year in some of the key turns, which will add a little bit more grip. Okay. But the question is, if you get more grip, is that actually going to help with tire wear? Because usually more grip means more rubbers coming off. Right. Uh, Tracks my cat is making an appearance. <laughs> he agrees with me, by the way, that the tires are going to be important. Um, but I also think that the shorter uh, track layout, which is what they're going with this year, they're going back to the standard short shoot, which is 1.99 mile, 12 turns. Yeah, don't look at the, the turn numbers in the track layout. Excuse me, in the track diagram, because they're they're numbered all. They have like eight A and the S's and like three yes. A's. If you just yeah. physically count them one through twelve, there are actually twelve turns in this layout. Right. Um, you know, elevation change is one hundred and sixty feet of elevation change per lap. Um, I think that's pretty comparable to Coda. If I'm right, with that straightaway climb right up the, the huge yep. first turn straightaway. Yeah. Um, there's some blind corners. So you guys are going to full send it in through the S's. So um, I do think we'll see a little bit more tire wear uh, this year than we have in the past. Okay. Now, uh, we don't really touch on the differences between DraftKings and FanDuel scoring, but I always feel like at road courses, it carries a lot more weight. You know, with FanDuel, you don't get any uh, rewards for a fastest lap. Instead, you know, FanDuel just does 0.1 points per lap led and 0.1 points per lap completed. On DraftKings, they will give away a quarter of a point for a lap lead, but then 0.45 points for a fastest lap. So on FanDuel, you know, on, on DraftKings, I do have, you know, for example, we're recording this right before the Xfinity race, but right after the Cup Series qualifying. And so for a lot of my Xfinity Series lineups, I have a lot of Kyle Larson because he's on the pole and he had the fastest car by a country mile. It, it's, it's unbelievable. He's not even close. He's a second faster than the dude starting second in the Xfinity yeah. race. Uh, so I'm more inclined to try and maybe target dominator points and, and win equity on DraftKings. Whereas on FanDuel, it's like I, I'm more inclined just to look at win equity, guys that are offering PD, um, and, and just overall like good finishing position. Is that you know kind of where you're at as well? It's just you know, we don't really care about you know the laps led on FanDuel because they, they don't matter as much this week, nearly as much as they will for a track like a Dover, a Martinsville, or Bristol. Correct. Yeah. They're like uh, the points in uh, whose line is it anyway? Right. Uh, <laughs> they give them out and they really don't matter. Uh, it is interesting that you asked for the difference because in the playbook uh, this week, there will be charts for DK points by starting spot and FanDuel points by starting spot. This is taken by looking at the last five races at Sonoma, disregarding the driver and just going based off starting spot. Doesn't matter why they started there, how they started there, who started there, 
make of the car, whatever. It's just the guy that started on the pole averaged this over the last five races. The guy that started, you know, 38th averaged this over the last five races. So it is pretty interesting, though, because considering the difference between, um, you know, having um, laps led, fastest laps, whatnot, um, it doesn't really make a difference this week between FanDuel and DK, to be perfectly honest. Um, if we look, if, you know, when you see the charts, a lot of the starting spots rank about the same on both sites. Um, for example, the pole sitter here has ranked 18th in DK and 16th on FanDuel in terms of points per race. Guy starting second has ranked third on DK, fourth on FanDuel. Okay. Uh, interestingly enough, the guy starting 23rd has ranked first in points scored per race on both DK and FanDuel. Not saying that you automatically plug in the dude starting 23rd, okay? Just saying <laughs> that on average, it is the best starting spot. Why? Probably because somebody screwed up qualifying who should have been in the top 10 and worked their way up and made it. Um, but it is interesting that a lot of them are similar uh, between DK and FanDuel, and that's probably because there's not a whole lot of laps led, so it's not like there's a ton of points to be gained there. All right, well, DraftKings has added starting positions uh, to the driver after we have just finished qualifying, so you know I think we can finally dig into the driver pool and the driver preview. Um, we do have some road course specialists that do get priced up a little bit on weeks like this. Um, AJ Allmendinger is always going to be priced over nine thousand um, dollars. Hasn't had great results in the Cup Series of late uh, on road courses, but he is starting uh, fifth. Uh, strangely enough, he's starting fifth for both the Cup and Xfinity Series race. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we haven't really seen him live up to those expectations aside from the Cup Series race two years ago at Indianapolis when they ran the road course and he won it. It was a chaotic race, though. Um, not much that you can really take away from that. Um Started seventh at Coda, finished 34th, you know, but how likely is he to go out and maybe get between 40 and 50 points on DraftKings, which ideally is kind of what you want from a driver in his, in his price range on a road course. Uh, for Almendinger, I think it's pretty reasonable. I mean, he's starting fifth, right? So on DK, that's 39 <clears throat> finishing points, right? So even if he starts – like he starts fifth, even if he finishes fifth, it's 39 points. So it's pretty close to the 40 that we're looking for, right? Like it wouldn't hurt if he goes out there and throws out some fastest laps, which I look, I think he can give that guy some fresh tires and an open track. I think there's no reason why he can't go and set a couple of fastest laps. Um, there's a shot he may in a pit cycle lead a lap or two, uh, which certainly helps if he moves up a spot. Look, finishing fourth would get him 40 points plus one for the PD. That's 41 points. And then if you add in a couple of fastest laps, that's almost another point. It's not like it's that hard to see him getting to 42 or so. Does he have win equity? I'm not sure he's got the car to win. But we've seen him win in worse equipment. Um, look, his lap averages were pretty good. So he's going to be popular. I don't think the price is going to deter people. There's... I think plenty of value plays as you'll see in the playbook um, that can help you sneak in another guy over 9,000 pretty easily. I do wish he was starting a little further back, 
but that would also make them more popular. So it's kind of like a double, <laughs> double-edged sword there. Yeah. Um, other noted road course uh, drivers, Tyler Reddick is quickly becoming the best road course driver in this series. Uh, since NASCAR switched to the next-gen model, uh, he has won three road courses. He won uh, one Road America last year. I think he also won Indianapolis, and then he won Coda this year. Uh, he is starting on the front row, as we mentioned earlier. You know, I alluded to it, you know, what we saw at Coda with Reddick and, and Byron leading a majority of the laps, both those drivers starting on the front row. Do we expect yeah, Reddick had to do that through like six restarts? There was a ton of restarts at the end of that race that he held everybody off at right. Good, yep. each time. And ultimately led 41 laps, had 13 fastest laps. Uh, it is his only win of the season, came close at winning another at Bristol Dirt. But, you know, we're on a road course. Um, we're going to get to Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. But, you know, do you feel pretty good about Tyler Reddick being the favorite now to win the race that Kyle Larson is starting 16th? Yeah, I do. I mean, he's so good at road courses. His team owner, Denny Hamlin, jacked his setup for the race. He admitted to it during practice he said like i've not been good in the next gen car on road courses because it's brought out some of my flaws so i asked uh reddick for what his setup was because now he's you know in our toyota camp and uh then he went out and landed on the pole so i think reddick's got the right setup he's you know second not that far behind hamlin i think i think he's quite honestly going to beat him through the first set of turns there um yeah, there's no reason not to play Tyler Reddick at this point. I think you basically have – not that he's a must-play, but I do think that so many people are going to play him that if you're fading him, you really better hope something happens to him because otherwise you've got no shot at making, <laughs> making the money, I would I would assume. Do that you think – kind of, but I mean like – I. He's probably going to be the driver in the 10K range that I'm heaviest on. Um, And I'm not even looking at the dominator points. I'm just looking at win equity, especially without the stage breaks. That just makes me feel even better about him leading more and more laps. Uh, Larson, I'm going to guess, probably works his way through the field perfectly fine. Just, you know, the the car was fine in practice. It just didn't make the top five in the qualifying session. Basically. Um, He went a little heavy on turn 11 and screwed up his entire lap. Yeah. And so, you know... I'm actually curious to see what the sports books do uh, with Larson now that he's starting outside the top 15. I'm curious if they do get a little bit longer on his odds. I saw him going off at plus 450 in some books. Yeah, he um, was. Uh, he and Chase and Reddick were co-favorites earlier this, you know, as as early or as late as Friday. Um, he those three were basically co-favorites in the books. And to tell you, I'm looking uh, at them right now. And Larson, I'm not sure if they've adjusted quite yet because Larson, Chase, and it's Larson, then Chase, then Reddick, which I would assume would adjust because there's no okay. way that Reddick should be behind those two right. starting well ahead of both of them. Um, how likely do you think it is that Denny Hamlin can go out and maybe lead the entire first stage? He's, he's especially when his, his employee and far better road course driver in Tyler Reddick is starting right next to him. I'm under the impression that Reddick doesn't really have any issues getting around him at some point. Yeah, I think I think Hamlin may – if Hamlin beats him through the first set of corners, I think Hamlin can hold him off for maybe five laps. Yeah. And then Reddick's just going to close the gap and set him up in a corner um, and get past him. So I'm not putting a whole lot of laps-led chances 
uh, on Hamlin. He's admitted he's not a very good road racer. The only reason he looks better when you look back over time is because the JGR equipment in the non-stock uh, car for everybody was so much better than most other garages that it made up for his deficiencies. Right now that everybody's basically on a level playing field, he self-admitted uh, he's not <laughs> – he's kind of dead – like behind the eight ball on everybody because the way he drives doesn't fit with uh, the next-gen car. So I would say that if Hamlin gets a good enough jump on the restart that he could he could lead a handful of laps. Uh, I, I don't expect it. If we aren't – uh, considering Denny Hamlin or Tyler Reddick, which is kind of insane. Um, is Martin Truex Jr. going to be the next Toyota that we look at? Because the Toyotas at this race in particular a year ago were an absolute disaster. They were uh, terrible. Missed on the setup. Uh, but this year, you know, they clearly looks like they've righted the ship. You know, Martin Truex Jr. is 8,800, starts eighth. And so even if he doesn't go out and lead laps necessarily, you know, he can still go up, finish top three, top four, and with that PD and the good finish alone, he can still be good enough to be in the optimal lineup. Or, you know, he's a guy that you can build with Tyler Reddick or Denny Hamlin and maybe try to eat up as many of those dominated points in a good finish as well. But if we're not, if we're overlooking Reddick and Hamlin, is MTJ or maybe Christopher Bell that next Toyota that you would look to? Uh, I would look to MTJ before Bell. I think Bell is solid, but I don't put as much domination upside with him as MTJ. Look, uh, in the in if we're looking at we're going to look at a couple of stats this week more so than average finish because I think stage stage breaks uh, you know played a role in average finish for some guys uh, more than than others so we're going to look at green flag speed and late run speed basically how fast are you late in a green flag run because remember on road courses single car spins aren't cautions. Right, you got to actually like physically. Cars be stopped on the track too. Yeah, yeah, you got to be stopped on the track or wreck your car. Hopefully, not like uh, who shredded his car in Xfinity practice. Um, uh, Alfredo, kind of yeah. surprising he damaged it that bad in a road course practice. Yeah, that was that. I mean, he sheared off half the car basically. Yep. Um, so yeah, if a guy spins into the dirt, they're not throwing a caution. So. That's why we're looking at late flag or uh, late run speed. And if you look at those, um, you know, MTJ is right there with everybody in terms of green flag speed on the last 10 road courses. Uh, he's, he's right there. And in practice, if you look at overall lap average, he was best. If you look at five lap average, he was fifth. So I think he has a car that can certainly be in the top five. Uh, if things go his way, maybe he gets another win. Let's also not forget he's four of his, you know, he's got four road course wins. Three of them are at Sonoma. Uh, so he, you know, I, I would be reasonably high on, on MTJ this week. Seabell, uh, the fourth place starting spot concerns me. Because you think that's upside. maybe his, you think that's maybe his ceiling? Yeah. I would have yeah. liked it if he had kind of missed the top five in his <laughs> in his qualifying session. Um, you know, didn't have to do it quite as badly as Ryan Blaney, who's starting thirty first. I was going to ask you about him. Uh, I was also going to. 
I was going to lump him, Cindric, and William Byron together. Uh, we were talking before we started recording the podcast, uh, but William Byron qualified P26. Ryan Blaney is P31. Austin Cindric, who is surprisingly more expensive than Ryan Blaney. I get it. He's probably a better workhorse driver, but Cindric starts P34. I'm interested in your thoughts this week because the Fords didn't look very good in practice, nor did they look good in qualifying aside from Michael McDowell and Chris Buescher. But those are two very good road course drivers, uh, relatively unheralded road course drivers. But are we expecting heavy chalk with Byron, Blaney, and Cindric in cash games? Because I would actually be a little bit worried about the Penske drivers uh, this week. I'm a little worried about the setup. I know the, the aero package kind of benefited them the last two weeks. I don't know if it's going to be in their favor this week. Um, so it's interesting that you bring that up because I actually have less concern about Austin Sindrick, who, if you look at his overall lap average, was eighth in practice. Okay. <clears throat> so he was far better than, you know, Blaney was 13th and Byron just never seemed to be comfortable. If you looked at his segment times, they showed him yeah. as 25th overall. And, and he then, even said, even on slower laps when they weren't running as hard, the, the rear tires were shaking, and that team just kind of looks lost. Like, they don't know really what is wrong with the car. Yeah, and he ran – I mean, to give you an idea, his lap average comes out 27th in practice, one spot behind – or one spot behind Almirola and one spot ahead of Josh Balicki. So – I mean, not the dog on Balicki, who I'm putting in the playbook, by the way. Um, but I, I – and this isn't, by the way, just because I, I have Austin Sindrick as my bet in the grill versus grill with uh, <laughs> Ed Rouse this week, who shockingly took Ryan Blaney as his bet. Um, I just think that given practice, I think Austin Sindrick had a better practice. He's also finished top ten in six of his eight road course races. Uh, he's – I mean, he was brought up on road racing and his first time here. Remember two years ago, we all said nobody could pass. And then somehow Austin Sindrick was the only dude out there passing people. <laughs> he started like way back in the pack a couple of years ago and uh, wound up finishing. Here, I can I can tell you here in just a second because I have I have the data for the last five races. So if we look back um, two years ago. Austin Sindrick. Oh, it was, yeah, it was last year's race. Started 25th, finished 5th. I, I like him better despite the higher price tag. Um, is this a situation with Byron's team that, you know, it wouldn't surprise us if tomorrow before the race we get a report that they're going to have to go to the rear for an unapproved adjustment just to, like, fix whatever issues they may think that they found with the car? Yeah, probably. Okay. I would, uh, I would suspect that they would magically find something. <laughs> uh, we have a few minutes left. Uh, we've mostly stuck uh, in the upper tier. Who are some value plays that we can consider this week? Whether it's just based on them being a good road course driver or, you know, we feel pretty good about them in their starting spot. And they can maybe go out and get eh, maybe 35, 40 points on DraftKings. Yeah, I think LaJoy is back in play. This week, I know he had a disappointing time in the nine car. I just don't think he was comfortable in that car. I don't know that it fit him. Also, that was just a bad track last week for Hendrick overall. Like, none of the Hendrick guys really did anything last week. <laughs> a lot of the guys in the know said that, that the car setup was just wasn't the best for the nine car last week anyway. 
yeah, it just it was just a miss. So, and now he's back to fifty three hundred probably because he's back in the seven, and it's you know coming off of a bad bad week. Um, but if we look back at Coda, man started twenty seven, finished eleventh. Um, Lajoy is actually a sneaky decent road racer. He's fifty three hundred. That's way too cheap for him. Do not play Noah Graxon. I know it says out on DK. He is out of the 42. Don't play Grant and Finger either. Guy's just figuring out the, the, the track. Like, pl- not to mention that car has sucked all year. <laughs> um, Zane Smith, I think, is playable. He's in the 38 again. That car with Ty, with uh, Ty Gilliland piloting it. Finished 10th Dakota. Granted, there was some attrition there, but it, mm-hmm. it was running very well all day. We've seen that the car doesn't really matter who's driving it. It's like the 51 in the truck series. doesn't matter who you put in it. The thing is fast. Um, there's a few other sneaky guys that I'll say for the playbook. Um, but I do think, like, the only downside with McDowell is he's starting third. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't even take, like, a casual DFS player to just see, like, that limits him just to tournaments. Um, yeah. Maybe he holds the position and he finishes there, in which case he's in the optimal lineup. But it's it's more – we're talking about, in terms of probability, it's far more likely that he goes backwards and I would say probably finishes outside the top ten. I don't know if I'm ready to say he'll finish outside the top ten because the guy has been good. I mean, I'd rather put stake money on Busher finishing inside the top ten than McDowell. Sure. But I think they're both unheralded um, – road racers so i i would look um you know a couple of guys that i mentioned i'm not that confident in gilliland because again he's in the 51 uh not great all right well matt thank you so much for your time um unless you have any final thoughts we are off next week uh i know you're a father so uh, happy preliminary father's day to you uh, i know we're both looking forward to the week off yeah, the week off will be uh, nice. It's a little bit of a grind, obviously. 16 races in, plus the all-star we, race, plus the... We still have five months to go. Yeah, it's like eight races. <laughs> what, 18 races in already. Um, following this, coverage is on NBC. So no more Fox. It switches to NBC following the break all the way through the rest of the year. Nice. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this week at Sonoma, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Hardy's two for five dollar breakfast baked goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just five dollars. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included.